Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Some people come in for nutrition. Some people come in for pain management. Some people come in for gut issues. Some people come for fibromyalgia or weight loss or whatever it is. But they all come in and they realize that when you start nurturing your system, and really this is about bringing more yin into our, into our life and our lifestyle, right? That yin of nurturing, nourishment, restoring, rejuvenation. Then we can start tuning in to our authenticity and realize who we are, what we're here to do, what gift we have been given, like every single person on the planet has been given a gift. But we can't connect to that gift if we have all this armor around us that's making us become very contracted. And um, sort of living inside of these old belief systems, this old paradigm, very much about control, about the masculine energy, about the force, the doing, the making it happen. And the reality is, as you know, and the creativity comes from presence, from the yin energy. And so when we can connect to that creativity, we can solve problems, we can evolve, we can create solutions. And beautiful art is birthed from that. Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Hey, Bettys, welcome back to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I have treats for you today. I have a wonderful conversation with Lauren Roxburgh. And this woman, I mean, I have to tell you, listening to our conversation, you would never know that we, ha- we, that we weren't sisters. I felt like, you know, this is the first time that I, I had met her and such rapport, absolutely adore this woman and what she's doing. So I think you're going to find the conversation very enjoyable to listen to, but also there's going to be lots of nuggets for you. So when we think about, so Lauren is, she's dubbed the body whisperer. So she's an expert in working with the fascia. And when we think about you know, and I have to, you know, I, I said this to uh, Lauren in our conversation, even in my professional training during, you know, cadaveric dissection. The first thing we did was peel back the fascia, right? It's like, get rid of it. Let's get to the good stuff, the muscles, the nerves, the organs and stuff. So we started off this conversation by explaining what the fascia is, why it's important, what, what are some of the benefits of having great fascia. And we got into a lot of her core work. So talking about the pelvic floor. Now, this was a really great part of our conversation. I hope that you'll listen to this a couple of times because I think that for women, 
when, especially women uh, postpartum, we are concerned with this idea of pelvic organ prolapse, uh, that we have a weakened pelvic floor. And this can actually happen baby or no babies, right? Um, and we got into this discussion around the what happens when you are clutching so hard you know in the pelvic floor that you lose the articulation inside the vagina right so when you have a weak pelvic floor of course you are not going to be able to articulate and squeeze and hold on to your partner uh, if there's penetration uh, with your vagina and so we talked a lot about uh, vagina self-love if that's a hashtag then it should be and then we talked about what the you know misogynistic view of what a vulva should look like what a vagina should do and how we really have to step into love and accept our body right now for where it is, but also for where we want to um, take it. So talked a lot about the pelvic floor. I really enjoyed that. And then we talked about the psoas and the gut. Um, so she calls this the deep core. And the psoas, I have to say, one of the muscles that can just truly wreak havoc on, um, on a person's uh, biomechanics, particularly in the hip. We talked about the psoas. We talked about the lungs, the ribs, the diaphragm, and how we can use therapeutic deep breathing to be able to release uh, tension in there. And she's given all the way through, she gave lots and lots of practical tips on how we can begin to use foam rollers and domes and therapy balls to improve our fascial lines so that we can improve our mobility, our flexibility. And of course, it's going to also make us look really great. So if I can't convince you on the, um, on the functional side of things, having really great fascia uh, is going to help with your posture. It's going to help you look slimmer. It's going to help with all the good things, right? We had a brief conversation around food. So nutrients like fascial foods, uh, nutrients and minerals that are helpful for feeding the fascia and just a really wonderful conversation. So we talked a lot. There's lots of geeky science in there, but also what it means to be a woman and how we can really think about energetically reclaiming our bodies. So I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Lauren. It was a treat to interview her. So without further ado, my conversation with Lauren Roxborough. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a 
a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family. And over this winter, we have been using Elementi's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apreski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best. Lauren Roxborough, welcome. Welcome to the Better Podcast. I'm so happy to have you on here today. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, I was saying to you just in the pre-chat, just before we got started, that um, I heard you on my good friend Drew's podcast, the Broken Brain podcast, and you guys were talking about the pelvic floor and you were talking about fascia. And I was like, I need this girl on the podcast because we have not talked about this yet. And I know that (laughs) We are going to have such a magical, a geeky magical carpet ride <laughs> in terms of our, uh, our conversation today. Um, Love it. I, uh, the fascia, you know, the, the, the system um, and the structure of the fascia has been something that has been um, an evolving uh, awareness and education for me. When I went into, when I was in chiropractic school, um, and we were in, you know, first year anatomy, like cadaveric dissect, you know, dissecting cadavers. Mm-hmm. First thing we did, cut the skin, teased back all the fascia to get to the air quotes, you know, the good stuff, the muscles and the organs and all that kind of stuff. And of course, our understanding of fascia has really evolved over time. So I I wanted to maybe start our conversation around your explanation around what fascia is and why Mm -hmm. it's so important for us to be focusing on. Yes, I love it. So it's funny because it's kind of always an evolving conversation of what it is because as we learn more about it, we realize it's even more than what we thought it was. <laughs> but essentially, it's connective tissue. It's a connective tissue that holds us up, up, kind of like the scaffolding of the human body. And it really lays right underneath your skin and above the muscle tissue. And it also wraps around each individual muscle and also around all of our organs. And it's what attaches our joints to each other as well. So That's one aspect of fascia. Um, Medicine is now calling it our sensory organ. So it's where we feel things. A lot of times we feel them first in our 
fascia, and then it goes to our brain to send us a message to be able to speak about it, talk about it, feel it. Um, many people believe that emotions live in our fascia as well, and that we even have, like they say, we have brain cells in our gut and our heart. People are starting to talk about, and this is not scientifically validated, but people are starting to talk about we have you know, brain cells essentially in our fascia, in our connective tissue. But the other beautiful thing is that within this tissue, this gorgeous tapestry that you know, encases our whole body, is our meridians, if you, you know, I know you're familiar with Chinese medicine, you know, our meridians are in our fascia as well. So whenever we have blocked qi, issues and ailments coming up, diseases, um, we can address it through working with our connective tissue, our fascia. And it's incredible for helping promote better digestion, um, increased flexibility, increased pleasure in just being a human and being, you know, moving our body through. Um, enjoy in pleasure and sex um, and all the aspects of kind of living at, in this um, meat suit, if you will, this human <laughs> human meat suit. The real um, Lady and- Gaga outfit. We have the, <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, and it's also, you know, many will call it a liquid crystal. It can be crystallized, brittle, thick and dense. Um, and when that happens, as we find in our bodies, is a, you know basically um, scar tissue or a knot, if you will. Mm-hmm. And when we have a knot of fascia or brittle connective tissue that's been dehydrated and dried up, it, a lot of times it loses that chi. It also loses its circulation, blood flow, oxygenation. Um, essentially, if you think about it, it's like you want your blood to be able to go through your fascia. It's like this beautiful kind of cotton candy matrix which what else is inside the fascia are lymph, lymph nodes as, as well in our lymphatic system. So you have your, your chi, your energy, your life force, you have your lymph system, you have your blood. So it's really important for the immune system and also for flushing, de- um, detoxifying the body, flushing toxins for all over health as well. So when we have that thick, dense scar tissue, what happens is that blood and that lymph and those white blood cells are not going inside of that kind of hard. I picture it as, because I feel it when I do the hands-on work with people, it's almost like an internal kind of plasticized cast. So it's like, it becomes hard, rigid, and like plastic inside the body. And as we start working through the tissue and, and kind of clearing and shedding those layers and kind of hydrating, smoothing, peeling back those layers like an onion, we start to bring in hydration, blood flow, circulation, chi, flushing the lymph. And then that tissue actually becomes hydrated. So if you picture almost like a dried up sponge, and then you're putting water in that sponge. And so that's why we get such a sense of, um, you know, youthfulness and suppleness um, for our tissues, also good for the skin as well. When we restructure our connective tissue, you know, we start to um, reduce cellulite and that type of stuff too. So, I mean, that's just obviously an aesthetic benefit, but it's also something that is a concern for people. And usually that is a lymphatic thing or a weakening of the the tissue and the connective tissue. So it's really amazing when you start diving in and you realize I have this whole other organ that I didn't even know I had. And it's really powerful to be able to realize that we can move trauma that lives in our tissues. I like to say trauma lives in the tissues. And if you don't emote it out through movement, breath, quivering, shivering, tremoring, um, somatic dancing, yoga, whatever it is that floats your boat, 
then that stuff will actually just, you walk around with it like a bag of coals. Like it's like emotional trauma that is just being held. And we as humans in our meat suits, we're supposed to have emotions. We're supposed to feel, and you know, we get messages and we have experiences to grow and evolve. But the thing about emotions is that we don't want them to stay with us too long. We want to keep moving through them. Does that make sense? So we don't want to carry them with us. We don't need to carry them with us, I guess I should say. And this is, I mean, I, I, there's so many questions and so many places I want to take this, but I I do want to just, what you just said is so powerful because I think that, and I'd love your observation on this as well. I think in the type of society, when we think of Western society, you know, living in North America, the US, Canada, Europe, what have you, we just don't want to feel our feelings like men and women. And it's true for across the sexes, right? Men are taught that feeling our feelings is somehow, you know, you're effeminate or you're not strong. And the same is true for women. Like we are like, no, we're just going to distract ourselves. We're just going to take some numbing medication. We're going to you know, busy ourselves with something else. And I think that the what we're running from, like you can, like you can't get out of the meat suit. Like it's, it's like it's going to come with you wherever you go. So I love this idea of what you're saying around, like just sinking into our emotions and allowing us to feel our body, to feel the fascia, to feel what mm. that movement or that or that lack of movement um, feels like, so that we can metabolize it, so that we can actually move through it. You can't, like, you can never run away from stuff. Yes. I love that. And don't you think that the time we're living in right now is sort of in a way forcing us to look at who we are, what we're yes. doing in our job and our career and our relationships. And, you know, no, people aren't jet setting and flying off to the next place. And, you know, we're here, we need to be here and be present. And there's a lot of more people like, you know, deciding to separate or whatever, because they're facing it, you know, in a way and realizing that it's not right. So I think, what I find in my work and I've seen with my clients over the years is that when we, we do start to kind of realize and become empowered with how miraculous our bodies are, we start making better choices and we start you know, being biomechanically lined up better and also structurally lined up better. We start making better choices. So we start to eat better. We start to make time to be present or have some sort of mindfulness in our, and then also to connect. So I have you know, four pillars in my program move, nourish, cleanse, and connect. And all of those things are addressing alignment in the physical body, but also alignment in our kind of in our life. So I always say align your body, align your life. So it's like, it's like interesting because everyone kind of comes in at a different um, place. Some people come in for nutrition. Some people come in for pain management. Some people come in for gut issues. Some people for fibromyalgia or weight loss or whatever it is. But they all come in and they realize that when you start nurturing your system, and really this is about bringing more yin into our, into our life and our lifestyle, right? That yin of nurturing, nourishment, restoring, rejuvenation. Then we can start tuning in to our authenticity and realize who we are, what we're here to do, what gift we have been given, like every single person on the planet has been given a gift. But we can't connect to that gift if we have all this armor around us that's making us become very contracted and um, sort of living inside of these old belief systems, this old paradigm, very much about control, about the masculine energy, about the force, the doing, the making it happen. And the reality is, as you know, and you know, I feel like I already have known you for many years already, just in this <laughs> short conversation, just feel it in my gut. Yeah. But like, you know, that the, the creativity comes 
from presence, from the yin energy. And so when we can connect to that creativity, we can solve problems. We can evolve. We can create solutions. And beautiful art is birthed from that as well. So that has a lot to do with the pelvic floor and the root chakra and all that. But essentially, I guess what I'm trying to say in this whole um, conversation is just how important it is to realize we have the superpower and understanding when we have the knowledge and we become empowered and we realize how many things we can kind of do without going to a doctor and we can do from, you know, within with just knowledge, I guess, and, and awareness. Oh, I love Powerful. what you're saying. Yes, yes. Can I get an amen on a on a Tuesday or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? a Thursday? We just been recording this, and I, yes. I love I love what you said about yin and yang because I um, I can tell you just personally I've spent like a good part of my life just like living throat up. You know, I was just like my body was just like a vehicle to bring my brain like wherever it wanted to go. Like I was like this body is just like I can't deal with it. It's too much. But this idea of surrendering this yin energy, this feminine softness, this surrender to wherever you are right now, it's okay. Like loving your, whatever you've been through. And there's, you know, people that are listening, uh, that are going to, that are listening to this podcast that have been through, I mean, we, I mean, we all have stuff. We all have traumas that we, Mm -hmm. that we can't, you know, the issues are in our tissues, right? It's like the, we, we have these things that we carry forward. And what I love about what you're saying is that if we don't metabolize them, if we don't process them and have the courage to say, yes, this is, this is who I am and these are the things that I've been through and this is kind of the baggage, like the, the, the bag of charcoal that you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, these are, um, it makes us brittle and it ages us mm-hmm. prematurely and it, it, and it changes the way that we you know, move and the way that we feel and the way we experience our, our, our time on, on this planet. Yeah. 100%. That was beautifully said. So good. What, um, how, do, how do we get stuck? So you were talking a lot about like movement and how does, how does the fascia, fascia become brittle? What is, the, is it lack of movement? Is it lack of nutrition? Is it, or is it all those things or you know, the emotional things that we haven't moved through? What are some of the big patterns that you see in terms of why the fascia starts to change in its pliability and, um, and um, physiology? Great question. So I, a lot of times I'll use the term posture influences personality. So the way we kind of are, our perception of ourself and who we are in the world um, shows up in the way we carry ourselves and our body mechanics. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, people will come in hunched over, they're a little more defeated, maybe depressed. Um, they're not feeling very confident. And then you have people that walk in and they're like almost like overly proud and like hoisting their their chest forward, like puffing up their chest, like trying too hard, kind of like, I'm a doer, I'm gonna do everything. They take up a lot of space. Yeah, they they take up a lot of space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's the leg spread on the subway. We're like, (laughs) Yeah, totally. With their legs, yeah, turned out. Oh my god, totally. Yeah. So you can see it in the way people stance in their feet or um whether they're you know, like hunched over or side bending or there's so many different kind of postural things. And so those are typically, you might be like predisposed genetically to certain things like that, but they are, most of them are very preventable. And then, okay. So then you have that aspect of the personality. Then you have the aspect of sitting too much, um, having poor body mechanics. And then you have, then you have that and you go into doing like, your workout is like spinning or like running. And then you see 
they're just doing this one linear movement, right? Over and over again. It's never changing planes of movement. So you get stuck in these patterns. And then the fascia essentially glues our bodies into these postures. And the only way to change them, oh, and the, the other thing is like when we're sleeping, you know, obviously things kind of, um, you know, when we're sleeping, our, our fascia kind of starts to glue in a little bit. So we need to wake up in the morning and stretch. You watch cats, you watch animals. They're like doing their down dogs and just doing, it's not like you have to spend an hour. It could be like three minutes of just like a few hip things. You can do like bed yoga, cat cow in bed and a few inner thigh stretches. It doesn't take much or heart opening things to kind of clear that. So I like to, I basically have this whole thing about our fascia. If you think about it, our tissues, our connective tissue, in a way, it's kind of like, you know, how we all brush our teeth. We all exfoliate our skin and we, you know, we want to get rid of the dead skin cells so we can have more vibrant skin. It's the same thing with our connective tissue. We need to clear the cobwebs. It's a daily practice. It's a, I like to call it stress hygiene, essentially. It's kind of scrubbing the tissues or flossing your fascia. Um, and I, I feel like that if we can do that, it doesn't take that much time. I mean, I, you know, obviously it's what I've built my whole Align Life studio on is giving people these sequences to both kind of purify, cleanse, um, and floss, floss and heal and hydrate the tissue. But then of course, build strength around that. Cause then as soon as we have that space, if you think about it, like, um, you know, each of our muscles, like I said earlier, are encased with the fascia. Okay. So it's kind of like the saran wrapping, but a lot of times when we get stuck in these postures from what, whether it's personality, emotional, genetic, um, or even just sometimes it shows up from the way where we grow up subconscious minds watching and observing, excuse me, observing our caretakers and seeing them, how they move, how they move through their life. And we're kind of mimicking that in a way yes. that's the subconscious program programming that can show up. And so by doing these daily practices and kind of ungluing and separating the muscles so they're not in stuck in these big chunks. So like, let's say for instance, I'm going to lift my shoulder up. Okay. So, or sorry, lift my arm up. If I'm going to lift my arm up. Like I'm going to do it with a glide, right? But some people will take their arm and they'll lift their whole shoulder up. So right. like everything is like glued. So they'll lift their entire shoulder to their ear and they'll lift their arm up. So that just means their whole shoulder girdle is completely glued with the connective tissue and they don't have differentiation of their muscles. So they don't have proprioception. They don't have, um, you know, those beautiful sculpted muscles because everything just becomes this one big thick chunk. And that can happen in the hips, the lower back gluing to the hips, to the pelvic floor and everything just winds up. And then people start taking these really short steps walking through their life. And then everything just starts to, again, have that contracted energy. And you can imagine as we're learning more and more about energy and how much energy influences everything that we do, even not inside our system only, but beyond the field of our, our body and what we're feeling, you know, energetically in the quantum field and all of those things, like every thought we have is contributing to the quantum collective energy that's happening on our planet. I mean, that's what I believe. And I know that's becoming more scientifically validated. But I bring that up because as soon as we start realizing that we can start harnessing this energy within us and, and start moving our bodies in a more efficient way, then our energy becomes more vibrant. We're not using as much energy just to stand up straight because when you have that gravitational force pulling you down the whole time, you feel really heavy, thick, you feel um, stagnant, 
your metabolism slows down. You can't take a deep enough breath. So you're not getting that vitality. And like you were saying earlier, we're not metabolizing the energy or the emotions or the food. We're not digesting as well when our fascia, like our organs have fascia wrapped around them. And if they Mm -hmm. are all glued together from a hunched over posture, your ribs are smushed down onto your hips, your organs are literally like can't do their job. So the, the fascia will then glue the organs together. And really by doing some of this belly rolling that we do and the pelvic floor rolling on that body sphere, the swishy ball, you're starting to see better digestion, um, even more, excuse me, better nutrient absorption, um, you know, getting rid of the things that our bodies need to detoxify. And as probably you know, there's so much lymph in our guts. That's such an important area to be flushing our belly. And even like doing hands-on self-massage or using the body sphere, the squishy ball, or you know, you can do body brushing. I'm a big fan of doing the dry, br- dry body brushing um, mm-hmm. and then bouncing on the trampoline, the rebounder. Phenomenal to, again, shake away some of that trauma, but also I love the, the rebounder. Lymph. Isn't it the best? I love the rebounder. Yes. So phenomenal. And I love everything you're saying about different planes of movement. I do actually think that we were sisters in another life because I think so. Because I I feel you. I I feel you too, girl. Like I it's so funny. I rally against this all the time. And I'm sometimes you see in the gym, and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody or any stereotype, but you see this, uh, it it tends to be guys where you sort of work out what you can see. And then you tend to have this, like, they're always working the biceps, always working the flexors, always working the chest. And then you have this sort of internal rotation of the shoulders, which of course causes more flexion in the spine. And it's like this gorilla-like posture where they're sort of, they don't, and if you put you know, some of those guys who've been lifting these heavy weights because aesthetically, you know, they want the nice, you know, the bread bun on the shoulder and all this kind of yeah. thing, like the delineation, but you put them in a yoga class and they, and they can't like, they'll snap. And I, I love, I love what you said about like, and I love bike riding. So I have a, I bike ride with my kids. We have like a, you know, we have a little ritual in the morning, but yeah. that's all sagittal plane. That's all here, right? It's all yes. in the midline. Whereas we're never here. We're never out this way, like in the coronal plane. And I always talk about yeah. like moving your hands, you know, doing like warrior two or just like jumping from like, if you want to, if you want to do like a plyometric you know, some sort of hit training or something, just like squat, but jump from side to side. You know? So true. Lateral movement is massive. I know yeah. I always say like part of the clearing of um, the cobwebs and the clearing the stuff that gets stuck, essentially it's like these little pockets in our body that we get, that we just forget to move around. It's again, subconscious or sitting too much or just not realizing like, oh, we should go upside down every day, invert twist, side bend, extend, flex, and, you know, you know, dance kind of somatic dancing is a brilliant way to clear those cobwebs. And even just like, you know, moving your head around a little bit and just kind of wiggling stuff out is it's, it's amazing. Shoulder rolls, clearing that stuff. Cause it's really when we just stop moving and the the lack of movement is what things is why things become more stagnant is the way I see it is that contracted energy. So we just are, our bodies are I think our culture, our world is calling for expansion, right? Mm, (laughs) Expansion, heart Mm. opening. Like we need to all have more heart-to-heart conversations, more heart-to-heart connections lead from our heart more. I think our world, our culture is being called from living down low in the primal and then even in the kind of pleasure and like competition 
um, and that forceful energy to now coming up to authentic personal power and then living from our heart. And hopefully we get to the point of living from our intuitive mind as well. That's so. great. Well, this is a perfect segue. Let's talk about some of those power sources because you talk yes. a lot about, uh, we can start at the bottom maybe and talk, start with the pelvic floor. Um, Definitely. One of the, um, well, let's actually just start with what the pelvic floor is. Um, we talk a lot about um, relationships and sex and intimacy on the podcast, but uh, I don't think we've actually have ever had a formal definition of the pelvic floor. So let's, uh, let's talk okay. about what it is and why we should be focusing our attention on this particular um, area of anatomy. So it's funny. Okay. One of the things I like to address also is something I get asked quite often. Well, less and less now that we're educating people is people will be like, do men have pelvic floors? Because, <laughs> you know, of course they do. But um, people just men have pelvic pelvic floor yeah. <laughs> and like childbirth is like basically like kind of yeah. the only thing that's out there that we talk about is like post-childbirth, like reconstruction or whatever. So essentially what the pelvic floor is, is a, a hammock of muscles that attaches your sits bones to your pubic bone to your tailbone. So um, it's like, you know, this webbed multiple muscles layering on top of each other. And obviously it's an area that we tend to only talk about when we're thinking about, like I said earlier, childbirth or porn, essentially. There's really no in between right now. I feel like it's a very extreme. So my, one of my goals is to try to just kind of normalize. It's just another part of our body. And not only that, it's a very powerful part of our body. I, I like to call it the pelvic core or the base of the core. Without it, we end up, if we don't have a connection to it or if it's hypertonic, which means it's been squeezing and clutch um, for too long and then it becomes a subconscious thing and then that's when the fascia glues your pelvic floor into that position. What happens though when things get hypertonic and glued into those positions, whether it's your shoulder or your jaw or your pelvic floor or your, shoulder or your um, diaphragm, is we lose strength. So the power and the strength goes away when we're stuck in a hypertonic mode. So if you think about the bicep muscle, like if your muscle was halfway, you know, clutching like that, it's quite weak. So we need to be able to fully extend, create eccentric length and expand, like we were saying earlier, and then fully contract in order to have the full strength of what the possibility or potential is of our muscle, but also strength, energy, and all of those things. So Basically, that hammock of muscles tends to be clutched and bared down. People don't even realize they have a pelvic floor. So, I mean, a lot in throughout my practice, I've spent a lot of times with hands on the pelvic floor, and I've worked with a lot of professional athletes, like at the top of their game, like LeBron James. I did the pelvic floor work with him, and he was just like blown away. He was like, he couldn't believe how much more he could jump higher. He had more connection. He was like, he just felt more integrated, more more um, flexible. And also when we work with the pelvic floor, it releases the hamstrings, it gives more hip mobility, releases lower back issues, it helps with incontinence. Um, so by awakening the pelvic floor is what I like to say, we awaken to a superpower within our own body. And essentially what that is, is just realizing again, that expansion and the contraction. So again, going back to the control and the surrender, we need both. It's the yin and the yang, right? We need both to have balance. Mm -hmm. But you know, the problem with kind of, pelvic floor therapy over the years has been that they've taught kegels. And of course that was developed by a man. And the problem with kegels is that's just reinforcing the clutch and the bearing down and the squeezing. So what we need more of 
is more expansion. So we need to be able to not only squeeze it, but also learn how to fully release it. And also we need to learn how to squeeze it from the right muscles, not from squeezing your butt and your lower back and your lower stomach. It's really learning how to isolate to activate. So that's what I teach a lot in my online programs and with my, um, in my, you know, in my speaking and teaching and classes and stuff like that is giving people that neuromuscular connection to that area. And also that's just the physical aspect. But as we know, it's the root chakra, which is all about primal instincts, survival, money, finances, anything that we have any fears about around that. It could be also epigenetic things we're carrying on from our heritage. Mm -hmm. Again, trauma, sexual trauma, any kind of trauma, we could go into more of that. You think about a traumatic incident, could, you know, I guess everyone's version of trauma really relies on the perception of the person that's having that experience, which is a whole nother story, you know, a whole nother conversation, but yes. you know what I mean. It's yes, yes. A traumatic experience is all relative, basically. It could be someone had, was in a, you know, um, cut off in traffic and that was traumatizing. So they clutched their pelvic floor and then they squeezed their arms into their body and they <gasps> seized up. You know what I mean? And so if we don't sort of emote that out and release that stuff and do that stress hygiene, then we're stuck. We're going to be stuck in that pattern. And then we're just constantly repeating that pattern over and over again. But when we have the awareness, we become empowered and we realize we can actually release that shit that happened to us that day. Yeah. You know, and every day, then we'll sleep deeper, we'll restore more efficiently, we'll go into parasymp parasympathetic state of the nervous system, rest, digest, and heal, rather than living in survival in the sympathetic state of the nervous system. So when we work with our connective tissue and our fascia, we immediately will drop into more of a um, parasympathetic state, a calmer state of the nervous system, because we feel safe and we feel nurtured. And grounded. Yes. Yes. Grounded. grounded. Yeah, so Absolutely. Great. It's funny. I was um, I was having a conversation for the podcast. Um, Kim Anami, who's um, she's a sex coach, and she talks. We were talking about this in the context of you know vaginas, and we were talking about this in terms of uh, you know sexual uh, enjoyment. But one of the things that she was saying was that in her experience with the women that she's worked with, that most women have numb genitals, so they yes. can't feel like when there's penetration, they don't feel things. <sighs> And I think it really lines up with what you're saying around if we're so, if there's so much clenching that happens, there's no release. And then you can't, and then you can't have like that articulation in the, in the vagina yes. where you can hold and create strength and, and, you know, and, and be able to hold on to your partner and then also uh, release as well. And this kind of comes back to what we were talking about before, where I think that we just, don't want to talk about our, we don't want to talk about that area of our body. Like there, like the porn you were saying, like there's like people, yeah. there's plastic surgery and there's bleaching yeah. and there's all this kind of stuff. There's like this misogynistic projection of what that part of our anatomy needs to look like and feel mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, you know, again, maybe it's a different podcast, but I no, think, it's yeah. true. We just, there's these like hateful words, punishing thoughts, uh, punishing behaviors that we do with ourselves where um, I, I think the end result is that we divorce ourselves from our pelvic floor. Like we can't, we don't know it's there. So I love, I love what you're, yes. um, what you're saying around um, being able to kind of, uh, you know, realize that the clutch is there, but then also um, release it. Yeah. And I have a, I actually love what you said about the, um, 
the orgasm side of it because a lot of my the people that have gone through my programs or clients including men have way more stamina way more control in the bedroom they don't prematurely ejaculate and then the women because it's bringing you out of your head and into your body and into that pleasure area of your, of your body and kind of turning like you said releasing the numbness and turning on the nerves again down there yeah. so then you're starting to realize like how amazing. So a lot of women say that they can more easily have an orgasm when they start working with their pelvic floor. And it's just really about awakening that area. And once we have that awareness and we awaken it, it turns into this whole other area. So we have more pleasure and enjoyment in our bodies. And, you know, sex is part of that as well. It's part of that. It's a very important part of, you know, healing as well. It's an energy being a woman, like as a woman, your birthright to have pleasure. Like we, we, I mean, we have an area, I mean, we could talk about anatomy, but like (laughs) the the clitoris is like separate and distinct, right? It's only job is for pleasure. There's no reproductive capacity. Like there's, you are designed to have pleasure. So love um, it. So good. What are, so what are good. some ways, so, you know, you, you work a lot with clients, you were saying uh, with LeBron and other uh, clients that you've worked with, how do we begin to, you know, reconnect with the pelvic floor and potentially some of the fascial restrictions that might exist in there? What are some of the, you know, and of course, everybody's a little different, but general patterns and general recommendations, if somebody's listening and saying, oh my God, like I can't feel what's happening during sex or yes. I probably am clutching there. What would be some of your um, best recommendations on where she or he can start? So the, uh, the first thing I would do is Google like the anatomical, um, picture or, you know, graphic doesn't have to be a real picture, but like, (laughs) what does the anatomy look like of the pelvic floor? And so people can see those, you know, it's basically like a pink picture with like the muscles weaving, and then you'll see the holes and you'll see the bones that it connects to. So visualizing that I think gives people, I I notice that especially with men, they're very visual. So when they see a picture of that muscle in their body, it's not just the pelvic floor. I usually, I do that for um, like the psoas, like muscles that you can't really see on the top, you know? Mm. And I give their, give them the visual of that. And then doing the, I do a guided visualization that I have, and I can send this to you guys in your, um, in your audience as well, but it's guided visualizations. They're audio. You just listen to it. You close your eyes. You can either do it sitting on the body sphere or just on a pillow. That's comfortable. And it's just visualizing the hammock of muscles. And then I, I have them basically, you know, go into surrender as much as they can. A lot of people think they're in surrender, but there's always one more layer of surrender. So what I find is the contrast between the squeeze and the, and the surrender or the, or the opening mm-hmm. is really powerful. So we, a lot of times we have to start with the squeeze and we have them connect to it by using the, the language. You know, if you were going to go to the bathroom and you were going to try to cut your pee off midstream. So you give them that, oh, okay. So then that brings it more into the front, right? So it's not the butt. So you're giving them this you're literally turning it on from a signal from the brain, which is kind of cool in a, in a way, and it's in its own way. And then putting them sitting on the body sphere, so you have the hammock of muscles around it, gives that kinesthetic touch. Yeah, and the feedback. And then it's amazing, and it's just mm-hmm. even though it's subtle, it really does help people like connect to it and realize that it's there. So then we do the visualization of okay, I want you to imagine that you your pelvic floor. Okay, now you've connected to it. Now picture like a rosebud. You're going to pull everything in and up. 
Okay. You're going to squeeze. We can do it together right now. Bear down, squeeze. That's the control energy. That's the yang, the force, the making it happen, you know, the power. And then as we soften, we feel the, the flower bloom. It's starting to open and expand, going into that surrender, vulnerability, the openness. And then you try to drop it one more layer because there's always one more layer of letting go. And then you do it again. So you squeeze and pull everything in and upward. And then you soften and you let it melt, feel the flower bloom, visualize it three-dimensionally, expanding, widening. Your sits bones might feel a little wider when you open. So you can do that a few times and then people are starting to realize that it's there and you make sure that they're not using their lower back. They're not squeezing their stomach muscles too much. They're really, you know, really isolating it. But that takes major presence and also the desire to want to find it. So and take some time to right. So I think if you've been if you've been living, you know, disconnected from your pelvic floor and anyone who's listening that's trying that and you're like, crap, I can't get it. I must suck. Like, don't go there. <laughs> Just, yes. You know, I love the visual I actually love the flower. Uh, cute. Cool? It's really helpful. Yeah. Like I was just doing yeah. it with you while you were saying it. And it's just, it's totally so little rosebud and like let the, let it's like a peony just like opening up. That's yes. Ooh, a peony. I love that. Yeah. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna. It's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. And like some people, I mean, I, I've given this one to clients too, where you know, every time you go to a stop sign, not that we're in our cars that much these days, but every time you go to a stop sign, do a little contract and relax. Mm -hmm. And then you're sort of, again, you're ingraining this new pattern because really it's just like our thoughts, right? We can change those loops in our mind. We can also change them in our body and turn those awarenesses on and the connections. And then we can start using them in our workouts. And the other really cool thing I like to recommend is like doing the deep squats Um, And I know this is a little graphic, but I think your audience will appreciate it. Another thing for women, especially if they have incontinence um, or they are in that contracted hypertonic state, this for men and women, you can squat and pee in the shower Mm -hmm. because in a squat position, your pelvic floor is fully extended, right? It's in the eccentric, it's in the peony, it's in the flower mode, basically. So it's in that length mode. Yeah. And also it also, when you squat, you're wringing out the whole bladder. So it's a really good thing to teach your body. And it, you know, a lot of women have incontinence, you know, whether they've had children or not, I've seen it in both. Um, and so doing a little bouncing, light bouncing on the rebounder, just, you don't even have to think about your pelvic floor, just naturally from the G force, the gravitational force, it just creates building gentle tone. And it also helps create that expansion and the contraction more naturally. So doing the ball rolling on the pelvic floor 
squatting in the shower and peeing, emptying your bladder fully. Some people like to use those squatty potties when you go poop. Yeah, those yeah. can be helpful too. Um, and then you know, doing the the gentle bounce, and then I do a lot of things on the foam roller, and then strengthening like kind of Pilates style stuff as well to help regenerate the pelvic floor. Those are so juicy. Those are amazing. Yeah, good. I know they're kind of out there, right? Some of them, <laughs> but they're so, but they're so great. I mean, this is and this is the thing too. I have to say because um, I have so many mom friends that you know, there's like trampoline parks and stuff that you take your kids to, and they're like, "Oh, I can't, oh, yeah. I can't, I, I can't." Don't. And it's like, that, what? Like, you have a child, so what does that mean? You can't jump anymore. Like, that's the saddest <gasps> thing. No. Yeah, I just and that's why I actually love the rebounder because it's not because those big trampoline parks, you know, you can kind of like they're like you know they go forever. But a <laughs> night, but a rebounder, you have a lot of control. It's a small little yes. space, and like you were saying, that G force is going to gently create that tone. And it, it and maybe and maybe there is a little bit of you know incontinence the first couple of times. Like who cares? You're at your house, you know. It's um, true. And so, I would say, actually, you know, you, you don't have to jump right away. You can just, the, the key, and they're doing research in Germany right now with pelvic floor. They're actually putting like electrodes up in the pelvic floor when people are doing a very gentle bounce. So you don't even have to jump. You just get on there, gentle bounce, add a little twist. And mm-hmm. little by little, yeah, you might feel the urge, oh my gosh, I have to pee. So if you feel that, go and empty your bladder and then come back. And you know, little by little, I would say it takes about a month doing it, you know, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, you know, each day you're changing a little bit more and then really taking your time. There's no rush with it. You want to be very gentle and listen and be super aware. But it, I mean, I went to, after I had my first child who's seven, about seven in August, I had a very long labor and it was pretty traumatic. It ended up being a vaginal birth. I had Pitocin and an epidural and, um, you know, I basically had some incontinence and here I am like a total athlete. And I'm like, this, no way I'm not. And then the doctor's like, oh yeah, sorry. You're just kind of stuck with that. And I was like, um, I'm sorry, but F you, I'm going to figure you, this buddy. out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it yeah. was a woman doctor too. And I'm like, oh. oh, I'm like, you know what? And she had had a few kids too. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel like women should have to have that. So, you know, I'm a total like you, I'm a guinea pig. I try everything myself. I explore, I go down and I research and I dive into this stuff. And so I started looking into what are the things we can do. And, and I figured out a whole way to basically a postnatal or even for women that, you know, have been sitting too much in their fifties. A lot of them do have incontinence, even if they haven't had children. So that's the drop of the bladder down and a weakening of the organ structure and the pelvic floor. So it's pretty cool to be able to go, you know what? I'm not going to take that answer. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to receive that answer. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to become empowered and then share that. So I love that. I'm so, I mean, you really need to enroll that, that doctor. You have to go and find her and be like, here's my, here's my online (laughs) studio and here's my, and yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know. And then you're a little, all you need is your little trampoline. And so your little trampoline. Let you yeah. mentioned you mentioned the psoas, and I wanted to move. So we talked about the pelvic floor, you yes. know, the root chakra. Let's move into the second uh, power center, what you call the deep core. So this is the psoas. Uh, I believe you include the gut in this. Uh, uh, oh yeah, category as well. And the Definitely. psoas is such a cool muscle because it starts in the spine, like comes off of the transverse process of the spine and then dives forward and eventually crosses the hip and, it, and then attaches to the, the, the lower 
for cancer of the femur, I believe. I have to check that. But it attaches it's down to in the inner thigh. Yeah, it's down in the inner thigh. Which yeah. Is, like you can just, there's so much opportunity for that muscle to wreak havoc. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> can you talk about um, maybe some of the consequences of having fascial restrictions in the psoas or what you typically see, what you can... I would always, and this is just from some of my teachers in school, like we would always evaluate the hips by actually looking at the feet to see like how externally or internally rotated they were. And that would give us clues to like torque and stuff in the hip. Um, Love that. What what do you see and what are your observations around the psoas? Well, yeah. So going to the deep core, it's sort of, I always picture it like if you cut a tree in half or if you cut a tree trunk and you see the rings, the layers of the tree, Mm. you know, like that teaches us how old the tree is or whatever. So that's the way I picture the kind of middle core, right? Or the deep core. And so within these layers, we have the tissues and the organs and um, the sheaths, you know, the core kind of sheaths that wrap around. And then the deepest one, like you said, is that psoas. And it basically is behind the organs, but on the front of the spine. And so it can meander and it can be really traumatized from, you know, carrying children as well, or being in a, um, overly extended posture in the lower back, you know, kind of pushes the psoas forward, which then pushes the organs forward and makes people look like they have more of a gut. So this area to me, I mean, this is all about, you know, sensuality and pleasure. And some people will call the psoas the muscle of the soul because it's our deepest um, muscle that some people call a hip flexor, some people call a core muscle. Um, But it's incredibly important to address because if it is out of alignment, meandering forward, it's going to tip the pelvis forward and then it's going to shove everything. And then you have a lot of instability in the core um, and the lower back. So a lot of times people that have lower back stuff, right away, we're going to go pelvic floor and psoas straight away, right? Mm -hmm. To get in there and make some space. But then also um, when we do have those misalignments with the psoas, it also creates an issue between the rib cage and the hips. So sometimes people get the compression where the hips are squeezed down too far on the ribs. And then they have more like thickness, almost like love handles um, around the waistline, like the muffin tops Mm -hmm. from those postures, from the hunch squishiness. And so a lot of times we get that posture and better alignment their waist becomes more narrow. They get more of the hourglass. They have more room for their organs to digest. Their lungs have more space. I always find that the psoas is really important as we make our way up to, you know, the breathing as well. Like in a way, it's like connecting the diaphragm to the pelvic floor, right? So the psoas though, to me is, it's just this wicked, amazing muscle inside the body. And when people do learn what it is, they realize it's like these pillars of strength that hold our spine up. And when they do get kind of wonky, the spine ends up taking more of the load and the compression and so does the lower back. So it's a really important area of the body. It's kind of been a fitness like fad for a while, I feel like in the fitness world, people are getting more excited about it. But also it's important for digestion, um, for gut health, for moving things through our organs as well. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful. It goes right through, you know, right by the organs. So if it's tight or if it's out of alignment, it's going to definitely inhibit good digestion big time. And it's one of those, um, I mean, I have to tell you from like a rehab uh, perspective, it's hard to get to because it's only yes. superficial, like right around the, uh, the yes. iliac. Like you can't really get to, you can't really get to the, ins- the origin, you know, maybe the insertion, you can kind of get to it if you yeah. want to deep enough, but it's, it's hard to get to it. 
um, but I love, I love that it's the muscle of the soul. I've never heard that. Isn't before. that cool? Yeah. I yeah. Really, yeah. It's good. Yeah. I think the key with the psoas is you kind of have to put your body in different positions and then move the femur bones around and the, and the sake and also do like flexion and extension as you're kind of like, cause I, that's why I like to use the squishy ball for the psoas. Cause I think you also have to be a little more delicate. Some people will like do it with a basketball or like a, a really hard ball, but I'm not a fan of that. I like mm-hmm. a squishier more because then you just use your body and you move your tissue and your body around it. And then you can start realizing, oh my gosh, I was stuck in that anterior tilt. And you don't fight then, it. You don't fight it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you sort of, you contract and then you relax into it. And then that space starts happening and then you have more mobility and then you're going to build more, um, like functional strength around it if you have that neuromuscular connection. But I would highly recommend for everyone that's listening, go and have a session with someone that is that knows how to find it. Mm-hmm. And so that you can wake it up kinesthetically from the hands-on, you know, even just one or two times. And then you have it and you're like, oh, okay, now I know what that is. And I can start doing things with it more, if that makes sense. And how does that and how does that parse with the gut? Because you also include the gut in that deep core as well. So you mentioned that it's behind, like that the psoas is behind uh, a lot of the organs that we have. And how can we how can we become more attuned with our um, with our gut? Well, so as I like to call it, the deep core. I mean, essentially everything in that area. Like I was saying, the tree trunk, the layers, the sheaths that um, kind of create our core, essentially are going to be affected by stagnant energy that gets stuck in the gut, in the belly area. So that has to do with, again, the postural imbalances, the biomechanics. But as we start moving that energy in our psoas and, and the connective tissue around our, fa- our the fascia around our organs, we start becoming in better tune with our gut instinct and also mm-hmm. with our true hunger. And as we know, I, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but the vagus nerve lays in our gut. And so that's super important. A lot of people will say that we have those brain cells in our gut. So connecting the vagus nerve is the nerve that connects, you know, obviously our belly to our brain, our gut to our brain. So when we start to stimulate the vagus nerve with doing some of this fascia work in our bellies, we start to drop into that calmer state as well. So the gut is really interesting. I mean, we've seen so many more people with especially the younger generation with a lot of gut issues like IBS and just kind of mysterious gut issues. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, it's the, you know, nutrition or is it the stress? Is it being in fight or flight all the time? It's all of those things, right? It's not being able to digest our, well, everything that we're experiencing because we're going too fast, right? So yes. it's like, we're just not yes. able to, to digest our lives, our thoughts, our experiences because everything's so quick. So I think it's really good to just start becoming aware of how miraculous our bellies are and like release some of that self-loathing and, you know, doing some of this nurturing yin um, work is powerful for our gut and to be able to help us enjoy and have more pleasure as well. That's great. Yeah. Let's move to the upper core. So we've been talking a little bit about the diaphragm. You've mentioned it a couple of times now as it relates to um, the psoas. Um, This would be, I guess, would be akin to the solar plexus if we're talking about kind of the general area. And from my understanding of the solar plexus, it's really the, it's a power center. It's how you feel about yourself. It's what anybody's ever told you, you know, you are or your behavior. Um, And I, I love that you caught that you include the diaphragm here because the diaphragm 
you know, you're able to expand, like physically able to expand, but then you're also able to expel the things that you no longer, you know, that maybe you've held on to that are no longer serving you anymore. Yes. So good. It's the center of personal power. So it's, if you're off, if you're, this center is off again, you might be more of that hunched over posture, more depressed, kind of not sure who you are or where you're going or what your gifts are. And that would make someone feel, you know, more of that defeated energy. And then of course you have someone that might be like trying to overpower. So these are like the two extremes where it would become, you know, out of balance. So Mm. you're trying to control others. You're trying to use your power to have, you know, for, I guess, negative things. So what we, when we have a more balanced center here, we're obviously in better posture. We can breathe, we can ground ourselves more efficiently, and we're kind of stepping into our authentic purpose and our authentic um, power. And we all want to have power. It's just having that graceful power where we're not trying to aggressively like control others, but we can live in more of a harmonious way because we're doing what we love basically and being of service. So when we have this area is really amazing because the diaphragm is this gorgeous three-dimensional um, muscle that separates the chest cavity from the abdominal cavity. And it's, you know, if you were, it kind of looks like an umbrella, like three-dimensionally. I know you know what it is, but it's good for your um, listeners to get a visualization of it. And it's essentially a pump. So every time you breathe in, your the diaphragm presses down into the organs and then it drops down into the pelvic floor and the pelvic floor expands. This just happens subconsciously. This is a natural process of the human body. Um, and so as as we exhale, everything pulls up. So you get that little gentle rosebud pulling upward into the organs and then the diaphragm is wringing the lungs out and flushing out the CO2. So if a diaphragm is, is very tight and thick and dense from the connective tissue that's in, you know, encased it and kind of frozen it into that position. So let's say, for instance, I, have a str- I had a stressful or traumatic thing happen to me. I might go, <gasps> seize, right? Mm-hmm. And if I don't then somehow like, <sighs> like release it through you know, movement, breath, shaking, you know, um, sound, moaning, whatever it is, then I'm going to hold that energy in me and then I'm going to have stuck stagnant chi that can't move through. So the reason I, you know, developed this concept was from working with people for, you know, 15 years hands-on, I was seeing these areas that felt like stress was just being contained in these areas. They just felt like this stagnant energy, this seizing up energy from whatever the experience was, could be from an injury or from an experience. So it was really interesting as I started seeing, I realized the diaphragm and I know personally for myself, I was married before and I have a new husband now. We've been together for 10 years, but when I was married to my first husband and I was going through my divorce, I felt so much emotional energy when I got my diaphragm worked on. This is when I first started learning about structural integration and I felt so nauseous and it was so hard and dense. And I literally like had to go and throw up. And that was a purging of emotional energy, just one way that we purge. It can be a lot of different ways. But it was so powerful to me when I had that experience and I realized the emotional energy that gets stuck and stagnant in this area. And again, as we're, and I think of that experience, you know, realizing who I was and being with this person was totally off my path. So I think that was, you know, that's the area. So it's really powerful. I mean, physically, kinesthetically, um, physiologically, but from an emotional standpoint. And also it's really important for, you know, flushing toxins from our body and, and making sure we have that. I mean, when we have a really good diaphragm, 
then we can recover more quickly. We can take a bigger breath, greater breath to nourish our bodies. We can also flush all of that stagnant CO2 or energy that needs to be purged out of our body. So it's a really, I almost think of it as another core muscle. I mean, that's what it is. It's a pump. It really it's a muscle. Yeah. It's a pump. And it loses that contraction and expansion from being living in that contracted energy, just like the pelvic floor. If you think about it, it almost mirrors the pelvic floor. It's like another hammock. You oh know? yeah, that's a really a good video. dome. They're like domes yeah. in the body. Mm-hmm. So we have domes in our feet. We have the feet domes, the arches. We have the pelvic floor dome, the diaphragm, and then we have the jaw and the roof of the mouth dome, and then the skull. Kind of cool. That's beautiful. I love yeah. that. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. I love the word that you're using. I have to, because I'm a word nerd, I just have to highlight this power. So there's Ooh, a, there's a I love book, it. And you, keep, and you keep saying it and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got to mention this. There's a book um, I've recently uh, just started reading. It's called Power Versus Force. And I, I never thought of, I never knew the difference between the words. I was like, oh, they're kind of the same thing. But power is when you are, as you've been saying this entire time, grounded and you feel like you are not living throat up, you're sort of fully embodied. You have this power center as we were just talking about, mm-hmm. and you just attract the things that you want to you versus yes. force, which is like this toxic, I mean, you, not toxic, but you know, there, we need to have, as you were saying, both masculine and feminine, but the ma- this is force is just always forcing, always pushing up the hill, always trying to get something done. And I love that you keep using the word power because as we unleash and as we open up the, uh, you know, open up the pedals, as you were saying, or allow mm-hmm. for this ringing out of the lungs uh, through this diaphragmatic um, movement and fascial freedom, um, we can we can step into our power, which is just your, and that's how you create, right? You are able to attract the things that are mm-hmm. meant for you. I just, I, I just had to bring it up because I, I love that you I love it. words. Yeah. And it's, it's just something I wanted to share um, with you. No, I really appreciate that. And that made me think of just, you know, the difference of, you know, forcing things to happen matter with matter and actually just allowing things to unfold. And that doesn't mean we don't do work. It doesn't mean, oh, I sit around eating bonbons on my couch all day. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but we allow things to happen when we are, like you said, grounded and standing in our truth mm. and living with that intention of love and um, joy and also um, like, like passion. So when we have that passion, that is energy and that energy will literally attract everything, every person you're supposed to meet. This is how we met completely energetically. Like this was not forced. This was, you know what I mean? Like, I just love when things like this start happening and you realize that happens with our relationships, our friendships, everything. And when things fall away as well, like realizing that actually that's a gift too. And sometimes as we grow, some of those things do fall away and that's part of our growth and it's okay. Yeah. Beautiful. That's poetic. (laughs) Let's, let's move Yay. into the, uh, I, I believe this is the heart center. Heart? And then yes. you also talk about the shoulders and the chest as well. Yeah. I love the way you explain it. Cause it's very, like I picture it very three dimensionally in the body. So it's not, you know, just one little, like in chakras there, you know, it's the center of energy and it's in that one particular spot, but I picture it more just in the physical body. And of course that radiates out beyond our physical, but just because of my background is so physical. And I think it helps people when they really live in the three-dimensional world and they don't live, 
you know, beyond that. Maybe they don't understand the energetic world or the fifth dimension and all of those things. Intuition. I think it's really helpful to get them. This is a great step in this direction is getting them to feel in the physical what's happening. So as we, you know, this is an area I feel like most people will realize because it's sort of like the most obvious in a human. We're all hunched over. Most people feel some sort of tension or knots in their shoulder blades. Who doesn't want to get a massage and have them rub your shoulders, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, it's the most kind of obvious area. But people don't, I think a lot of people don't realize how that back tension or that back hunching is like a long, long tightness. And then the front gets short, tight. And then of course that closes in the heart area. And then it's harder to live from our heart and to give and receive love. So this area structurally, anatomically, super important because it helps prevent hunching, hunchback incredibly important for, you know, maintaining that proper posture and that keeping the height that you were given, you know, as you're, you know, everyone loses an, I feel like an inch or an inch and a half as they ate, or most people do, but people that do my programs and my clients, most of them gain an inch to an inch and a half in height. And that's really just regaining what they've lost. And it's about, it's not like your bones are going to change the shape. It's really about decompressing the joints, you know, aligning everything up better and building the proper strength to keep us in that healthier alignment. So this area to me is so obvious because who doesn't want to have better posture? Most people do. And also who doesn't want to live from their heart more and give and receive more love. So I think this is where our culture is going, is hopefully going into more of a place of having these heart-to-hearts and leading from our heart more. I like that you give that you that you blend both the, you know, the mechanical and the mechanistic um, you know, the, the anatomical and the structural with some of the energetic. Cause I think, um, like we are cut from the same cloth because that's how I sort of bring people. It's like, come to the dark side and I will, I will do it by showing you the, you know, the validation and the science first. And when we think about when we, you know, just to kind of add on to what you were saying, I think most people, I mean, I, I want to live more from my heart as well. And when you're, when you're sort of in that gorilla-like posture that we were talking about before, there was, um, I, I have, I'll find the link uh, of the study and I'll put it in the show notes, but people with hyperkyphotic, so when we talk about kyphosis, obviously, you know, just like an extra yeah. rounding in the thoracic spine or hyper rounding, when you do that, your capacity to bring in oxygen is now going to be compromised. And there was, I think it was in the Journal of... Uh, geriatrics. I forget. I forget the. I forget the paper right now, or where it was published. But people who had hyperkyphotic spines died faster. They had higher mortality rates than those wow. who were standing up taller. So people that have taken your program and they've said, "Okay, I have like you know a couple more inches. I've regained what I've lost," because you're able to perfuse the body with oxygen. Because when you do this. You know, and for the listeners that are just listening on audio, I'm slouching over right now. When you mm-hmm. slouch, you can't take in a deep breath. Like your diaphragm, I mean, it affects everything. It affects other centers as well. But you can't expand your lungs. You can't expand your thoracic cage because you're you're just kind of crumpled forward. So yes. it's it's important. It's a longevity uh, piece as well. Oh, hugely longevity, maintaining suppleness, flexibility, and also. You know, it's interesting, the kyphosis, I always use that as an example when I'm explaining how important it is to really have good posture. Like, have you ever seen that guy walking down the street or a woman walking down the street, an older person, and you see this 
hunchback basically. And, and, and I always explain it like that is actually calcified connective tissue. And that is totally preventable because it's so, I mean, that's the beauty of fascia is it's so malleable. So it's like when people realize that they don't have to, I mean, yeah, you might be more predisposed genetically, but you don't have to go there. And then you can see that is literally the effects of gravity of someone that has not done any stretching or any breath work or had any awareness that they had a possibility of, you know, changing that. So, but Mm -hmm. I love that because it does empower people to realize I don't have to have calcified connective tissue on my back. And carry that for my whole life or from the end of my life too. You know, who wants that? It's like way heavy. Yeah. So and you, heavy, want, but you don't want your head to come into the room like two minutes before you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just nice and tall and nice That's long. so neck, true. You know? Yeah. Let's move into the shoulders and the jaw. You've been talking about the jaw a lot and I love your work because you, you actually talk about a connection from, I believe, the pelvic floor to the jaw. So let's, let's touch on, let's touch on the head, the jaw and the neck. Sure. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So there is a fascial plane, a fascial line that connects the jaw to the pelvic floor. So when we are living in that subconscious clutching, like I was saying earlier, maybe you get, you know, you're driving, you get cut off or you get in an accident everything seizes up and locks down the pelvic floor. And a lot of times people don't even know they do that. Well, that's also simultaneously happening in the jaw. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times Dennis if they are knowledgeable and they see someone that has TMJ, they'll send them to a pelvic floor specialist to connect them to releasing their pelvic floor. And when they do that, it's kind of miraculous how much it it starts to soften. So again, just like all the other things that, you know, we might be more predisposed to having these issues or these ailments in our DNA and our genetics. But with the awareness, we can realize that we don't have to have that if we know how to kind of work with our nervous system and get our bodies and realize like just even doing like a little self massage on your jaw. I have a lot of sequences like that in my um, studio, but then you can also do like inner mouth jaw work, which, which softens, but it's also a lot of times, again, going back to the spiritual or um, energetic emotional aspects, it can be swallowed emotions stuck in our throat, things that we have not Mm. spoke, things that we haven't said, Mm. or kind of you know, a lot of the therapies that I talk about in my book are like singing and oming and moaning is really powerful to vibrate that energy out of the throat and the jaw. And just to start realizing, oh my gosh, you can actually relax your tongue away from the roof of your mouth. And then all of a sudden your jaw becomes a little more slack. But again, because we have this amazing fascia, if we're stuck in that clutch, and a lot of times it happens when we're sleeping at night, we can, our fascia will glue our jaw bone to like to the skull too much. So massaging, rubbing around the jaw attachments above the ears, the temporalis, you know, around the head, the other jaw jaw attachments in the scalp. And then even like the base of the skull, all of those, even the ears, phenomenal to start softening that kind of um, block of fascia that's just glued down to the head and jaw. So yeah, swallowed emotions, speaking our truth, those are really powerful things energetically and emotionally. And then as far as structurally, biomechanically, it's usually a pattern that's shown up from being in a stressful situation, living in fight or flight, being in that um, sympathetic state of the nervous system. And you know, a lot of times I see it with people that have been sitting at their computer too much and they're just heads forward. So as the head's forward, what's going to hold the head up is the base of the skull muscles lock down and tighten. And then the jaw starts to clutch to kind of pull the weight of the head up. 
So as we start to get our head back on our spine, our jaw doesn't have to do as much work. We start to regenerate some of the tone in our neck muscles. That's a lot of times what I see when people come and they have neck pain. A lot of times it's actually weakness in the neck and it's an overuse of the traps in the jaw. Yes. Yeah. You know. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So really just kind of realizing like, it's not like you have to lift weights on your neck. You can do like side planks that strengthens your neck. Just sitting up straight strengthens your neck. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things you can do to kind of move that energy around. I use the body sphere in the book to kind of do a cranial sacral um, massage on the scalp, on the head. Um, I have my domes that the domes are kind of these spiky domes. They're one of the products I designed when I was writing the new, this new book. And those are amazing because you can like give yourself like almost like an acupuncture massage on the scalp and you can do the side of the um, head and the jaw attachments there. And that just starts signaling your system to start like to let go, to go into surrender and allowing. It's really powerful stuff. It's, it's so funny. One of, the, one of the earlier things I noticed, I used to, I used to have an in-person clinic, um, ran it for 16 years. I closed it last year to be uh, more online and to do this podcast and other things. And one of, the th- one of the earlier patterns that I picked up was when people would come in with shoulder... So people might come in with headaches or they might come in with you know, shoulder tension, neck pain. And the second you put your hands on that person, they would start talking about the job that they yes. have or the, the partner that's stressing them out or the family member that needs extra attention or what have you. And yes. I, I really like that you talk about the physical manifestation as well as the emotional imprint that, because it do, even if it's an acute stressor, like even if someone was in a car accident, like you said, and they went, <gasps> you know, and like they had to slam on the brakes, like there's also the emotional imprint that gets yes. coded into the nervous system and coded into the biomechanics of the neck. So we always, I think as practitioners, uh, and there's a lot of practitioners that listen to this podcast that we have to Sure. And like I spent years being like so mechanistic, like, no, it's the neurostructural thing. And then it's the low, you know, the abherent vertebral body loading that's causing this on the disc and blah, blah. And of course, those things are true. But you also have to, you also have to pair that with the emotion that the person is either not willing to feel, unaware of, um, and then give them some tools that they're ready for um, to help release that. Because if you just, you know, if you're just kind of rubbing the subox and you adjust them and you kind of send them on their way, like for sure you're gonna you're gonna make mechanical improvements. But when we're thinking about long-term correction, which is the game yes. I like to play, and I know that you, I feel that you are there. Yes, too. you know totally. we want we want to give them a bit more of a holistic some holistic tools in their in their healing tool belt so that they can say, oh yeah. I am scared of driving now because of the car accident that I had, or you know, my boss is driving me nuts, or my uh, there's a job that I'm in that's sucking my soul, and when I when I'm sitting all day long and I'm typing and I'm ruining my neck, like that's all I can think about, you know. And then it's just going to encase it and imprint it even more because it doesn't have anywhere to go because you're the longer we go into that immobile state, it just unless we emote it out or stretch or breathe it out, it just will stay. So yeah. that's the beauty is we do have. I mean, we, we are so lucky. We have these amazing vessels that have these incredible tools to release, whether you're using a tool, a physical tool, or you're just using your awareness. So massively amazing. So I think if more people can get to that point of being empowered and understanding how amazing their bodies are, I think we in the Western world have been relying a lot on Western medicine and pill popping and fixing the, you know, with the Band-Aid even in physical therapy too, the Band-Aid. Um, so I think, or, or surgery or whatever, getting to the root cause 
going deeper and realizing, wow, our bodies are, I mean, it's amazing when you go to sleep at night and you wake up in the morning, like what your body has done overnight. Like it's incredible. It has these miraculous, like self-healing capacities that we just need to be, I guess, re-educated from the ancient wisdoms. <laughs> yes. How did how did you tune into the how did you tune into this wisdom? Like what is your <laughs> I don't think I actually asked you this. I had wanted to ask you at the top of our, our conversation, but wh- how did you like what was the driving factor for you to sink into and lean into this work? Well, you know, I feel really lucky in a way. I mean, it wasn't the best reason why. My mom, when I was 16, I feel lucky because it was so young and it put me on this path like so early. So in a lot of ways, I feel like an old lady, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like an old wise an sage because I've been yes. doing this for a long time. Yes. But I think, you know, my mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer when I was 16. And we were, I grew up in Northern California and I was, um, I was taking her actually to go get her chemo treatment at Stanford University which is obviously one of the best universities um, in the world. And I would ask the doctors, you know, where, where does cancer come from? And I thought, you know, my mom was pretty healthy. She was a model growing up, an actress. She was gorgeous. She did yoga. I was like, this is really weird. And it's not really in our genetics. And the doctors would say, well, it's environmental or it's probably genetic, but really we don't know. There's a lot more to learn. And I, at least they were humble enough to say that instead of like, oh, well, it comes from this. So it put me on a path. I had this moment where I was like, you know what? I am going to figure this out. So for a minute, I'm like, maybe I'll be a doctor. And then I was like, no, I think that they're going down a path that doesn't feel right for me. And then I got really into nutrition and understanding how food is medicine or is poison and realized that that was a huge part of it. I thought I was going to be a nutritionist. I studied nutrition exercise physiology at um, UC Santa Barbara, along with being a a collegiate athlete, played water polo there. So I always had my athleticism, my physical um, vitality, my physical strength and power. I always kind of had that naturally. So it was interesting. I thought I was going to do more nutrition. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to spend my 20s studying holistic healing. And basically I studied Reiki, Thai yoga massage, all kinds of different modalities within yoga, pre and postnatal yoga. And then in my late 20s, early 30s, I discovered the structural integration, the fascia and alignment aspect. And then I basically blended all of those um, modalities together and created my own and realized that there was so much more to health than just working out and eating well, that it really had to do a lot more with emotional health. And I truly believe, and you're probably a fan of Bruce Lipton. I'm a big fan of his work. Isn't he amazing? He's great. He's like, he's a character. Mm. But his, in a nutshell, what really resonated with me is especially because you know, for a a little while in my life, I definitely had fear about, oh my gosh, am I going to get breast cancer because it's in my genetic DNA? But he's like, you are, I mean, his whole, you know, body of work is all about, you are not your genetics. You are basically, those genetics are going to manifest from the lifestyle. They're going to turn on from what your experience and your perception is. And his thing is most diseases, I can't say hundred percent, he doesn't say hundred percent, but most diseases come from either trauma, getting stuck in the body, lowering the vibration, increasing inflammation, toxins, same thing, or thoughts. So those are the three things that really do lower lower our energy and our vibration, decrease our chi, decrease our immunity, and increase inflammation. So if we can address those three things holistically and daily, then I believe that we can be really healthy humans. So I think it's just kind of, again, empowering people with that knowledge and realizing that we are not our genetics. We are not our DNA. Mm -hmm. 
pretty amazing stuff. And that all kind of wraps into the fascia, right? So we're talking about trauma, thoughts, toxins. I mean, this is things yeah. that I was I was taught as a as a chiropractic student from some of my mentors as well. So there's a lot of crossover Love there. It. And that all lives in the in the fascia. So if yes, if, if someone is listening to this, like, okay, I'm gonna like I wanna learn more about Lauren, I wanna learn more about the fascia, what what would be some of the best you know, starting places for someone? Like, is it working with a practitioner? I know you have like a complete online uh, clinic or a studio that you have where you have classes. Like, where would you, where would you suggest for someone to start if they wanted to begin working on their fascia so that they're not like the old little nonno, you know, walking down the, <laughs> totally. you know, with the curve? Yeah. The curve I love faster. it. Yeah. Well, I think, again, I think reading the books. So I have two books. My first book was Taller, Slimmer, Younger. And that was a random house book I did a few years ago. And then I have an online 10-week course that addresses, I have something called fascia foods. So we have a whole meal plan that's about nourishing and nurturing your fascia and your connective tissue, which obviously also translates to skin and collagen production and all of that good stuff. So I'm a big fan of like bone broth. And we use that a lot in the um, 10-week course. So I have a 10-week course that's based on my first book. And then I obviously have the new book, The Power Source, which is the power centers that we discussed. And then I have videos inside my Align Life studio that are for, basically we have ones for sweating, flushing toxins. You know, people a lot of times want to shed weight and then we have calm and then we have healing. So I have three different um, categories within there. And then I create um, calendars every month. I put an hour of new content inside the studio and then I create a custom calendar for the group based on the theme of that month. And then we basically give that as the offering so that people can be guided step-by-step on what to do. And then I also um, do coaching calls with the group, the um, subscribers in the studio. I do a coaching call with them once a month and I'm going to be doing live classes with them soon as well, which is really exciting. So great. So So it's a lot of different cool ways to just clear and connect. It's a lot of meditation, breath work, body rolling with all the different tools. There's mat work in there. All, like, so you don't have to have, there's rebounding, of course, the bouncing, um, mm-hmm. really beautiful things. And then I have a whole thing. Like I mentioned earlier, I have the pillars. So I have the move, nourish, cleanse, and connect. So we do the 10-week course as a group because we find the connect is really powerful to have that collective energy and kind of supporting each other through it. And I do live coaching calls with them once a week in that challenge. So we do those about three times a year, which is very powerful. And then they get the meal plan and they get something that is the cleanse pillar, which is about um, detoxifying. So we do dry brushing, rolling, rebounding, infrared sauna, and then magnesium. So I have this detox flush that I have them do for three weeks. And then we take charcoal as well. So this will all be in the show notes. I'll make sure that all, all these details are in the show notes for the listener. And, you know, just kind of in wrapping up our conversation, I mean, first, it's just been like such a pleasure to talk to you. I'm so glad I reached out because I was like, I know I need to talk to this girl. Um, Amazing. But taking, like, I think when you take personal responsibility for where you are, that's when it can begin to change. And I think that that's what, that's what I'm also hearing from you as well, right? Is when you say, okay, like I'm taking, I have this energy, I have this trauma, these toxins, these thoughts, these things, this stuck physical manifestation of whatever. And now I'm just going to accept that it's here. And once I fully accept that and I take responsibility for it, then I can begin to change it, which I think is how, you know, you've been using the word empowerment as well. I've been hearing uh, that yeah. word. And I think that's how you empower yourself. That's it's how you take yeah. control. And that takes honesty and vulnerability. 
and accountability. And, and that's, you're right. That is the first step when we can do that. And even like we do in my challenges, we have people take photos of themselves and be honest, like, you know, and do it in the same light in the same outfit. And like, we have a whole thing of how you do it. Cause you don't want to do it inconsistently and do your after in this, in a different way. Mm-hmm. You really can see that your, what your efforts are making a difference. Your skin is glowing more, your posture, you're, you know, you're gaining that inch to an inch and a half in height. You're dropping weight. You're feeling, you're seeing the structural balances like melt away and you have more of this strength and this power. So it's a really beautiful thing, that accountability. Lauren, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Isn't she just a delight? I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Lauren and I hope that you did as well. And I always just want to leave a little Easter egg at the end of these episodes because if you are listening this far in, you are really a Betty. So thank you so much. And I just wanted to also invite you to the Facebook group. It's called The Better Community. We are right now taking questions for AMA, Ask Me Anything, number eight. So if you want to get in and ask me a question and have me answer it, or if there's a question that you have for Major, my co-host in the AMA series, please just join. There's no there's no fee for it and lots of great conversation that happens with the Bettys in that group. So with that, I will leave you to find us on Facebook. We're called The Better Community and we'll see you soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Asima, and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.